Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacker Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. The Unbelievable Podcast. I am BJ Rydell, back here with my guy, Drew Mahold, and today we are taking a long look at the Vikings this past season and kind of where they stand moving forward uh, into their first round postseason game against the New Orleans Saints. Uh, they're playing at the Superdome, if you haven't heard. Um, Vikings ended up finishing 10-6 and six after a loss to Chicago in which their backups played uh, essentially the entire game. And they only lost by two points, so I guess that's a po- that's one positive takeaway there. Uh, so I'll give you the game summary that you didn't need for that one, and then we'll kind of just cruise past it since I know uh, that game really didn't matter that much. It was honestly as much of an pr- exhibition as most preseason games are. So we won't spend too much time there, uh, but we'll check in on the skull scale as well, uh, break down kind of you know our sentiments heading into the postseason and. Um, if we have some time, we'll do some other stuff as well. But that's the game plan for today. So let's just jump right into it here, uh, starting with the game summary that you did not need because you watched the football game, or maybe you didn't. This might this is this might have been a game that you didn't watch. I suppose. Um, like I said before, the Vikings dropped it twenty-one to nineteen against the Chicago Bears. Uh, Mitchell Trubisky was the one <laughs> ultimately leading the uh, the game-winning drive at the end of the game which is pretty hilarious. But this is basically a field goal battle um, for a lot of this game. Eddie Pinheiro hit the first two to give Chicago a six-point advantage. Uh, then Dan Bailey responded, keeping in mind, of course, that any field goal he missed yesterday would have cost him a $1 million bonus. So uh, he was on the money. He was four for four throughout the day. Granted, he did not have to kick one over 40 yards, I believe. Uh, but he was uh, 100% accuracy, and he will get the big bucks there. Um Mike Boone scored later on in the game to put the Vikings within striking distance. He finished with nearly 150 yards rushing, uh, but ultimately this one came back to Eddie Pinheiro after uh, Mitchell Trubisky um, led the Bears down the field. I believe it was Calvin Ridley's little brother that caught the ball. Uh, Riley, Rid- Riley Ridley, yeah. Uh, he caught the ball, and that was what set oh, up. Oh, I did the, not know that. That set up... Uh, yeah, Eddie Pinheiro's game-winning kick. Uh, Sean Sean Mannion, uh, not a whole lot of throwing from him. Uh, he 
he finishes 12 of 21. He has the interception early and then the one late that he was just trying to make something happen. Uh, the real star for the Vikings, Mike Boone, running back number three with a pretty strong performance, cons uh, all things considered. Um, <laughs> the leading receiver, Alexander Hollins with two receptions and 46 receiving yards. That should tell you just about all you need to know about who the Vikings were trotting out uh, offensively. Uh, and Eric Wilson made a made a, a bit of a spark for himself. And I think that he's earned – I think he has earned the right to be the starting linebacker even when Ben Gideon comes back. Um, he was outstanding throughout the day, 12 total tackles and a sack. Mm -hmm. uh, he's He is my personal defensive MVP, although Efedio Denigbo could have been that had his touchdown uh, not been reversed. But that's what happened here. That's what it came down to. Chicago played all their, all their starters, and the Vikings were still able to compete with their backups and the fact that uh, they really didn't even want to let Sean Mannion throw the ball at out at all throughout the afternoon. So 21-19, no. to 19, that's how the season finishes. Like I said, the Vikings are a 10-6 football team. They are the number six seed in the postseason, heading to the Superdome to face New Orleans at noon on Sunday. So not a primetime slot. Uh, the Vikings will get a full week of rest, which is nice. Uh, there was a potential for them playing on Saturday, so uh, that does help the cause a little bit in terms of getting some guys healthy and uh, getting everyone into playing shape and ready to go. Um, but yeah, so that's uh, that's how the season rounded out there. Um, like I said, I don't want to spend too much on this game, but Drew, would it, any any thoughts um, on anything that you can take away from the Bears Vikings game? Anything that struck you? Mm. No, I mean, I, I this game doesn't mean a lot to me. Right. It's like it's it means the same as the know, first or second preseason game. Where like, uh, I mean, literally none of the starters on either side, offense or defense, played. Um, there was you know no uh, no Kirk obviously. Neither of the top two running backs. No Diggs or Thielen. Um, no Rudolph. Uh, Irv Smith played for like two series. Um, Offensive line, none of the top five guys played. It was just, it was all kind of reserves. Uh, so, I mean, if you want, you can take away that uh, the depth was you know c competitive, right? I mean, the the number two uh, team for the Vikings essentially was competitive with the Chicago Bears. Right. I think that's more of an indictment on the Bears and where they're at right now versus where what Probably. it says about the Vikings. So, uh, you know, and. Sean Mannion is fine. Uh, no, I think no, reason, no, no. Fine is reason, way too hey, nice. I think part of the reason that they didn't want anything to, they didn't want to chuck the ball deep necessarily was maybe a game plan type of thing where you don't want to show your hand too much for the playoffs. I don't know if that, if they're going to be showing their hand too much with Sean Mannion or, or if they're not, whatever. But um, he wasn't particularly impressive. Uh, Mike Boone, after a couple early turnovers that may or may not have been his fault, uh, had some couple big runs in there and um, kind of really he was sort of the reason the Vikings had any offense at all in the game um, and then that that deep pass to Alex Alex Hollins as well but I don't know I mean Mitch, Mitch Trubisky was bad and he was bad against the Vikings second team defense which I, I still think is more of a talk about I mean that it's a bad look for the Bears offense more than it's a good look for the Vikings second team defense to me. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm just not taking away much from that game. I think it's this. I, I'm I want to talk more about the season in general and then more about the Vikings Saints matchup. Uh, obviously, that'll be later this week, though. Sure. Uh, 
Ultimately, I think the only real takeaway for me was just the fact that Eric Wilson looks like a starter. Uh, he looked very good whenever he was called upon throughout the last couple of years, you know, filling in as a spot starter, uh, whether it's rotational reps, anything of that nature. Um, I think he looks really good. Um, and if he could get a little bit bigger and be a better run defender, that'd be very helpful as well. Uh, but he definitely has a nose for the football. He's a smart player. He covers sideline to sideline much, mm-hmm. much better than Ben Gideon does. I think that he will um, get a strong shot at next year's starting job, uh, you know, when the Vikings are in their base 4-3. So uh, that's one thing to keep an eye on. But other than that, like you said, game didn't matter. Uh, I, I don't want to spend any more time talking about it. So that's that. Vikings finished 10-6. and six. Um, They really are a 10-6 and six football team, in my opinion. They look very, very 10-6. and six. Um, Yeah. You know. That's just that's just kind of who they are. So um, ultimately, the expectations fell a little bit short. I think for most fans, uh, I think most uh, from what I've seen on social media, at least uh, people are already um, pretty uh, fired up and uh, trying to take uh, trying to get rid of some coaches and uh, trying to change some things up and uh, maybe get rid of the quarterback. And uh, I don't know. Everyone's not thrilled about being a six seed and heading to New Orleans where. Um, I think a lot of people are uh, feeling very confident the Vikings face certain death. So let's talk about the skull scale and our optimism heading into this game. Uh, We didn't reach out for your guys' takes on this, but if you'd like to submit yours, feel free to um, at any point in time um, because we forgot to do that. Uh, So that's – where are you at? I was at a seven last time, and I think you were also – I think we both kind of agreed at seven – the last time we spoke, and that was before the Vikings-Packers matchup, which uh, probably hurt a lot of yeah, our... Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, probably probably did some damage there. Uh, the This past week obviously didn't, you know, have much of an effect, if any effect at all. Uh, but heading into the postseason, heading into this matchup against the Saints, uh, how are you feeling about the Vikings Super Bowl chances? Um, it's The Super Bowl chances, obviously not great, because the Vikings are have to go on the road and win three games to get to the Super Bowl in the first place. Um, and this obviously is not a great road team. Uh, that's really the only knock, though, uh, because, like, if I look at it this way, um, the, the Saints matchup, it, I, I, from the first glance, it looks terrible because the Saints have been dominant. They're 13-3. and three. Um, Michael Thomas is setting all kinds of receiving records. The, uh, you know, the... Drew Brees has been fantastic. That that defense is still solid. We, I mean, obviously, that a thirteen and three team usually is not a three seed, and so uh, that's scary in itself. And then plus, you go, you factor in the Superdome, you factor in that environment. That's just a tough place to play. But I'm weirdly optimistic. First glance at the Vikings winning that game. Uh, now we'll talk about the matchup and the uh, the in depth preview on our next show, but. Initially, uh, we get a noon game, Sunday at noon. Kirk and company have played much better Sunday at noon. Uh, and the other thing that I like about this is that Zimmer has been very good against Drew Brees uh, the past few times they matched up. Uh, so you get those things factored in, and I think the Vikings will have a, a good shot in this game. Uh, I'm not going to say they're going to win because that's just not – I'm not – I'm not one to go on a limb and pick it for the Vikings when they are not the better team. But um, I do think it'll be a closer game, and I don't think it they should be completely written off yet. Um, but with that said, that would mean if they win, they go to San Francisco. And if they win that, 
probably have to go to Lambeau or to Seattle. I don't know. Um, so the, the road is very difficult. I don't like their chances of making the Super Bowl. But I do think a playoff win is more likely than maybe some will think just because of – the attitude isn't great right now. you got two straight division losses at home. Not great uh, kind of a – not a great momentum going into the playoffs. So I can understand the pessimism for a lot of fans. But I do think the Vikings and Saints – the Vikings match up not poorly with the Saints for this at least a wild card round. So where does that put your score scale at? Um, I was at a seven before the Packers game, I believe. I'll drop it to six and a half, but uh, yeah, I'll drop it at six and a half. Like they could, they, yeah, they might win. I don't know, but they they might, they might win one game. But I don't see them making like a run of any kind. Yeah, uh, I'm down to a flat six. Um, the Packers game really really did it for me because as we talked about heading into that heading into that matchup. You know, the Packers, I don't think the Packers are that good. And Aaron Rodgers played they're not, awful. They're not. Aaron Rodgers played awful. You got a fumble out of uh, out of Jones as well. I mean, you couldn't have asked for a better setup to win that football game. The Vikings offense could not do anything against Mike Pettin's defense. And while Mike Pettin has some history as a solid defensive play caller and just a defensive mind in general, uh, he's not a guy where I look at it and I'm like, I don't I expect the Vikings – I expect the Vikings to score more points when I hear that he's that they're going up against a Mike Pettin defense. Uh, it was the offense was completely inexcusable. There was no way around it. Nothing worked. Uh, they they were doing stuff that was unconventional of this offense. You know they they couldn't find success on the ground. They couldn't find success through the air. It was a complete disaster, and that meltdown like that took a lot away from me. Now had that game happened against a great defense like San Francisco, I could. You know, try to write that off and say, you know, they're facing a great defense that they never see, and or excuse me, they rarely see. I suppose uh, a defensive coordinator who has been as hot as anyone um, this season. And I could make some sort of an excuse, but with playing against the, the Packers defense, I can't make those excuses for the Vikings. So that really hurt, you know, my optimism for this team heading into the postseason. Then you factor in the the things that we've already talked about on multiple occasions. Playing on the road in the Superdome, which is a top, what, four place to play in terms of difficulty, you know, behind maybe Seattle, Minnesota, Kansas City, somewhere in there. Anyways, it's a tough place to play on the road. Uh, I, I don't love the fact that the Vikings backed into the postseason, too. Just generally speaking, teams that back into the postseason, whether it's because they didn't they rested their starters in Week 17 or they suffered a soul-crushing loss at the hand of their division rival, in week 16, what, regardless of what it is, teams that back into the postseason uh, just do not tend to do very well either. The Vikings have a 5.6% probability of reaching the Super Bowl, not winning it, reaching it. And if they do reach it, they'll be facing either Patrick Mahomes or Lamar Jackson. Right now, I mean, that's just my opinion, I suppose. But uh, right now, I don't feel confident in the Vikings competing with either of those teams, um, defensively or offensively, to be honest with you. So... In terms of my optimism for this team making a postseason run, it's about dead. So uh, I, I, I'm with you that I could see them being competitive with New Orleans. The Vikings always seem to play New Orleans well. Um, and it's always a lot of fun to see Sean Payton and Mike Zimmer try to you know run acrobatics around each other. But it, it, overall, it's very difficult for me to feel confident. I'm just hoping for a competitive matchup that saves Mike Zimmer's job because I don't think that he's the real problem here. Um but ultimately, my I, 
I, my soul has basically been crushed for this year after watching yeah. the last couple of weeks and knowing I mean, what's ahead. This is uh, overall coming into the season. This is about what I expected in the sense that I felt like 10 wins was about where the expectation should be. I felt like now I came in expecting that the Packers would be uh, the team to beat in the NFC North, but obviously I didn't think they'd be the team that they are. Like I, I didn't think Rodgers would have the, the drop off he's had and the Packers to be winning the way that they have. But um, I mean, I, with, with Minnesota at 10 and six, number six seed in the, in the NFC, that's very similar to what I expected. Um, obviously it's disappointing that they didn't exceed those expectations or that they don't seem to be uh, a threat of any kind to make that run. Um, but, uh, you know, it, I thought the defense in the secondary taking the step back is really what has, um, to me, that's what's going to plague this team and keep them from making the run. Um, but it's also what is going to be the big question mark for the future, right? Because I think the whole, you know, Super Bowl window, if you want to call it that, I think it was predicated on the Mike Zimmer defense being so good right. that the offense could just be kind of, you know, if they can scratch the surface of like top 10 in the league, for example, that this team will make a run. And now we're seeing kind of flipping where the offense is what has carried this team for, you know, in a lot of games this year. And, and the defense has been suspect. And so I think moving forward, is the defense going to be enough now to keep, to a give this team a chance in a, in a playoff game this year, but also in 2020, will the defense be enough to complement the offense, which I think is where this, the identity of this team is now almost is on the offensive side of the ball. When you have the secondary playing as poorly as Minnesota's has all season. Well, I shouldn't say it's been like consistently poor. They've, they've, they've handled the, the bad QBs, but they've been exposed a couple of times. Matt Moore uh, took advantage of them. Um, Dak Prescott just torched them. Uh, and the Vikings were able to get, escape with a win at Dallas. So, I, that's my big concern, and I didn't I didn't expect the drop off in the secondary coming this year that the Vikings displayed. Yeah, uh, in terms of my expectations, the Vikings fell, you know, I believe one win short, but I did think that the Vikings would win the division. So if you remember at the beginning of the year, I actually was one of the morons who said that Chicago was still going to squeak in as a wild card. So I didn't even have Green Bay making the postseason, um, and. I still stand by most of what I said about Green Bay at the beginning of the year and that I don't think that they're a super good team, that they've got a great quarterback, you know, yeah. and some nice defensive pieces. Yeah. I, they're, you know, they're one of the worst number one seeds in the NFC that I've ever seen. And I, I really don't, like, it might be kind of like, it might be, there might be some bias, just some inherent bias there because I just don't like Green Bay. But when I look at it, when I look at these other teams in the NFC, I still think that I still think New Orleans is better than them. San Francisco, Seattle. I mean, that means theoretically I could pick three or four teams that I think are more competitive than Green Bay, which to me makes them a an overall not a great number one seed. But getting back to the Vikings here, uh, ten and six to me is after watching this entire season. That's where they are. This is like this is the definitive ten and six team. They can compete with anyone. They're going to beat the bad teams. And once in a while, they might be competitive with a good team. That's basically yeah. that's basically what they are. And they lost – you know, they got swept by Green Bay, and technically they did get swept by Chicago as well. Yeah. So, Which, it, 
if you had told me before the season that the Vikings would be swept by the Packers and the Bears, um, I wouldn't think that the Vikings right. would be in the playoffs. Right. So uh, on that perspective, I, I guess it's you know, uh, it's positive that they have the sixth seed there. But uh, moving forward, Mike Zimmer is not going to keep his job for a few more years if they keep losing to the Bears and to the Packers. Right. Um, and I, I mean, I know I don't know how, how much. I don't know where Kirk stands with the organization and if he's going to get an extension. I'm not going to pretend to know what that discussion's like, but playing as poorly as he did in the divisional games this year against those teams uh, will not, you know, he won't stick around very long if that's the case. So I would imagine that that um, is going to be a big uh, piece for him in 2020 to kind of prove it and maybe get another deal would be beating Green Bay probably twice beating Chicago once or twice, you know, that's going to be big next year, not only obviously in the divisional race, but um, those are the marquee games for this team, this this fan base too. Uh, those are the games that this team and these fans look forward to, and if you're laying an egg in those, uh, it just doesn't bode well for anybody. So um, that to me, those, those games are the big knock um, in addition to the secondary taking a, a step back is just how poorly they played against Green Bay twice, and then the Chicago game, too, earlier this year, week four, when Trubisky went down, Chase Daniel came in, and the Vikings couldn't score more than six points. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, – overall, the Vikings made the postseason. So they – in terms of, you know, postseason expectations, they're there. They they met that goal. It's just that you look at the rest of this team right now, and I think the offense as a whole – was able to exceed my at least my personal expectations. I think a lot of your expectations as well, given where pretty yeah. much everyone stood on Kirk Cousins heading into this year, um, and Dalvin Cook being healthy, you know, for what, eighty-five, yeah, eighty-five percent of this season or so. You know, that's he certainly exceeded health, <laughs> my health expectations for him, as well as his ability to score touchdowns and you know break off long runs. So. You know those two pieces definitely blossomed in a way that I wasn't really expecting. I thought I think that we all thought that Delvin was going to be good, but I didn't think we. You know he was a lot better than I think that I even thought he could be. Um, and you know staying healthy for you know the most of the season was great as well. So the offense took good strides forward. Defense, like you said, took a couple steps back, and that you know they fell short of expectations in a lot of different ways. You know you can look at the total yards allowed or the points allowed or whatever that may be, but. Uh, to me, they just weren't as dynamic as they have been in the past. Just watching this Vikings defense, it's just it's very clear just from the eye test that they're not the same team from 2017. Yeah. They don't buzz to the oh, ball no. as much as they do. I mean, you've got some you've got a couple guys who had outstanding seasons, individual players who exceed the expectations. You know, Anthony Harris leading the league in picks. That's outstanding. I don't think that there's very few people out there that thought that he would be out, you know, a Pro Bowl caliber safety when he came as an undrafted free agent out of Virginia. To, out of Virginia, you know, we were all excited about the prospect of him being a solid backup, but a Pro Bowl caliber safety, you know, that's awesome that yeah. he he. I mean, when I when, when I talk about a, a step back in the secondary, I think it's 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 pretty much the corners. It's pretty much um, just Xavier Rhodes, really. It's the well, Xavier Rhodes is is kind of carrying the flag for that, but it, the cornerbacks in general, I think. Trey, uh, I think that we still got what we expect out of Trey Wayne's for the most part. He just didn't take a step forward like I think we would like have him to have to. But like he's the, I think he's basically the same guy. Thing. He's a he's a first round pick, right? He's never he's in the prime of his career now, right? He has literally like, always not, fallen short of expectations. He's fine, like he's fine, like 
He's fine. That, right. That's not what you want out of a number 11, right. 11 overall pick. You don't want the guy to be fine. A guy that's you can start. He's not awesome as a starter, but he started. Like that's not what you want out of your number eleven overall pick in the prime of his career. And I think right now Mike Hughes is better than Trey Waynes. And I mean that's Fair not where Waynes should want to be or should be in this, this stage of his career. So I think Rhodes and Waynes are falling short of expectations. I think Hughes is promising for sure. Alexander's kind of hit or miss. Um, I don't have there, a problem with Alexander. No, but I also didn't. don't have a. I like. I don't have a problem with the way that Alexander plays, but I also don't think feel like I'd miss him that much. But he could very right. well be one of those guys that like you don't notice as much, and then once he's gone, you're like, oh my goodness, what are we? We have Chris Boyd in at nickel now. What are we doing? You know, it could be that type of situation. Yeah, I mean, but, Mac seems to cover those little screens very well. Yeah, like he's always he's been. He's, he's just he's very somehow solid. never gets blocked on those. I don't know if that's just. I don't, I don't know why that would be, but other than that, like. Yeah, I'm with you. I don't know how much the Vikings would miss him, but like it seems like he's replaceable, right? It seems right. like all those corners really are replaceable. Literally, um, all of them. And you you talk. I mean, how many times have we discussed in our previous show or this show, whatever, about how Zimmer loves to draft cornerbacks? And you know, even when like the Vikings drafted, he was like, okay, how many cornerbacks do the Vikings need? Well, they need a they, lot. They need more. They need a lot. They need more. They need good <laughs> ones. <laughs> So you get flashes from Mike Hughes. You get flashes from Hol- Holton Hill at times as well. Um, he's obviously got to stay smart this offseason um, to, to to get a real feel for his future, I suppose. But I think Anthony Barr fell short of expectations as well. You know, when you pay a guy that much money, you're not paying him to tackle a bunch. You're paying him to get after the, pa- the quarterback for the most part. And I think going into the season, we saw that contract and we were like, okay, I think well, Anthony Barr is going to be. Too, is I don't think he was asked to pass to rush the passer that much. Right. So why pay? What do you? I, I don't understand. Then the contract doesn't make sense. Like there's somewhere in there. There's not like it's something is not making sense, right? So Eric Eric Kendrick exceeds expectations. Is a seriously a defensive player of the year candidate. He's not going to win it, but like he he deserves to be. He does, someone needs to recognize him as such. And then you've got Anthony Barr that kind of. Was all to me. Anthony Barr was always kind of the stud, and then Eric Kendricks was kind of cleaned it up, and now those roles kind of reversed. Where mm-hmm. I think Eric Kendricks has taken a step beyond Anthony Barr right now in terms of his overall production for the Vikings defense. Whereas Barr is getting, he's he's been the same player for several years now, and yes, he's been a Pro Bowler, but I don't I don't feel like many Vikings fans think that he deserved his Pro Bowl nods as much as you know. No, oh, well. The Pro Bowl, we you know about the, the Pro Bowl voting right, is right, just, but still, like yeah. he, he was, he was getting in basically on name recognition, which is fine. And I'm not, I'm not here to say that Anthony Marr is a bad player. It's just that when he's a centerpiece on your defense and kind of one of your, you know, your biggest playmakers, you kind of expect a little bit more out of that type of guy. You expect, you know, the production that Daniil Hunter is giving you, for example, where. Once again, Daniil Hunter probably, I think, I don't, I wouldn't say he exceeded expectations, but he certainly lived up to them and he continues to be, you know, the biggest piece on this defense as a whole moving forward into the future. Yeah. I mean, that's your guy. He's an absolute stud. I mean, he, he ends with, uh, he ends with 14 and a half sacks, which I think some of us believe that he could get even higher and still has the potential to do so. I mean, the, the, the sky is still the limit for Daniil Hunter. Uh, He's 25. Then, yeah, he's 25. So there, there are still the pieces are still there. 
Um, you'd love to see the rise of Fedya Dunningbo as well. His, I believe, he finished with seven sacks this year. He could push. He could make it difficult to, um, you know, he could make it hard for Griffin to stay for a solid contract. I suppose uh, the Vikings might have a nice piece there, and then you, you could say some nice, nice things about Stephen Weatherly as well. So you're pretty comfortable at your defensive end spot, but the the interior defensive tackles were hit or miss. Yeah. Linville Joseph isn't the same player. He's by no means, you know, a bad player on this defense. He's not a liability of any kind, but he's just not as dominant as he once was. You got some flashes from Jaleel Johnson as well. He had a couple of nice plays, big plays as well. And Shamar Stefan was basically what we expected when the Vikings signed Shamar Stefan. A nice clogger. No big I don't think he had a single big play this entire year. Uh, but he's a nice piece, more of a role player than a starter, I think, in, in an ideal defense. So you look at that unit as a whole, and, you know, like you said, you point to the cornerbacks, that's a big problem. <laughs> and that's uh, – it's 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 difficult because I think, I think most Vikings fans expect that secondary to be good for at least one or two more years, like not counting even this year. I think yeah. we – Saw Xavier Rhodes. Remember playing. when? Uh, remember Xavier Rhodes when he locked down Odell Beckham, and that Monday night game. Yeah. And uh, he had like immediate. It, there was it was chippy. He was getting in OBJ's face. He was drawing unsportsmanlike conduct penalties on on Odell. It was there was fire there. There was an attitude. There was a swagger. Um, that kind of with Xavier that carried in 2017 a little bit when he was shutting down Julio, shutting down Antonio Brown, and shutting down all those top receivers. Now it's gone. Like it's, I don't know if it's part of the, he's, when he's going to the sideline all the time with injuries, if it's because, I I don't know why. If maybe it is just he's lost a step, whatever, but he's also lost the swagger too that um, I'm going to shut you down mentality. And, uh, I mean, if you could talk to Jordan Reed, which is our guy back from the barroom time, he preaches all the time on his Twitter page about how cornerbacks need to have that confidence in that, um, I can do type of attitude. I'm going to stop you. I'm going to shut you down and I'm going to trash talk you a little bit. He talks about that all the time with cornerbacks. Mackenzie Alexander was a big trash talker at Clemson. Uh, one of the big favorite thing I know you liked about him as a prospect. So it doesn't seem like there's that attitude with this, these DBs anymore. And it was cool to see a little bit of that with Chris Boyd against Allen Robinson uh, <laughs> yesterday and actually drew a penalty on Robinson. But um, it, it, I don't like that. We need to have Chris Boyd be the leader for that. <laughs> when he's probably the number five corner on this team right now. Um, so it, it just seems like there's a swagger, there's a an attitude that this the secondary, the corners of this team um, have not had. Well, they don't have it now, and they have had it in the past. So I don't know if Mike Zimmer, if that's something for that that's coming down from him. I don't know if that's just the corners are losing confidence because they're giving up bigger play. I don't know what it is, but uh, that to me uh, – is a lack of confidence for a the Saints game, but then next year in 2020 when the Vikings are rebooted and you know I I don't see how the secondary how these corners um, are going to get any better really because Rhodes is not getting younger, Trey Waynes is not getting younger, cut Mike Hughes too. Yeah, right. Rhodes is a cut candidate. Waynes could leave in free agency. We we yep. I feel like it's more likely than not that we'll see a completely different unit back there next year. You know, yeah. Mike Hughes might be the centerpiece oh, next year. Vikings will draft a corner in the first two rounds. I'm in the first two rounds of the draft, if not the first round. I, I feel pretty good about that. Yeah, I mean, something to something to keep an eye on. You know, as we get into the off season, and something we'll definitely be talking about throughout the off season in terms of dressing, you know, future needs. But 
you know, as a whole, you get a 10-6 and 6 Vikings team. The expectation for both of us was that they were going to make the postseason. You actually said as a wild card. I said as the NFC North's champions. You know, and, you know, really the Packers kind of did lock up this division way back in September. We didn't think of it like that. at the, Well, you kind of ah. did. You kind of did. I didn't think of it that way at the time, but looking back now, I mean – it, it's it it does it's too bad that the bubble kind of burst that early in the year because this team certainly does have the talent and they do have great coaches and they have the ability to do you know great things they're very capable of being a dominant postseason team it's just that they have I think Ted Glover is the one that's been saying this a lot I'm going to use his phrase they have these maddeningly they're just ridiculous losses that just mm-hmm. like they play just you can't even explain it. Like, you've been booting, like, all season long. Kirk Cousins has been great off the play action and the boots out to the, le- out to the left side specifically. You don't do any of that stuff against the Packers? You just turn them into a drop-back passer all of a sudden? It's like, what do you, like, it's like Kevin I think they're, I'm going to try to explain that one. I think they were really psyched out because, if I remember correctly, in the second, the week two game at Lambeau, they tried, like, the rollout stuff. They tried the move the pocket play action stuff the entire game and every single time uh one of the smith brothers or somebody from the green bay defensive line was like in kirk's face as he turned around off the play action uh and they he was forced to throw it away or he was sacked on it whatever it was uh it seemed like the packers and mike putton had an answer for it every time so i don't know if i think stefanski or kubiak or whoever was calling the plays was just scared of that and just tried to avoid it altogether uh and maybe that's that's just a theory i have but I do remember the Packers having an answer for that every time at Lambeau, and that was part of the reason they could the Vikings could get any offense going. Um, but well, I, again, I'm with you in that. Like, I, I still think if Stefan Diggs is single coverage, get him the ball. Like, doesn't matter what what route he's running, doesn't matter what situation is, get him the ball. He's going right. to win a single coverage, and if he doesn't, he'll get a flag. Or I mean, that that win rate's going to be high every time. I mean, go after him again, right? And to him, for him to only have, what, like four or five targets in the game, the one he did was in double coverage on the field. Um, he, he needs to get the ball more, uh, especially when, you know, Thielen has been still uh, kind of bothered by that injury. I, I was bothered by how much uh, Diggs in some of these bad games, these losses, uh, you know, he wasn't targeted very much in those games. So that's the big one for me. And, again, I don't know if, if the Kirk and the big games and the prime time and the whatever – I'm not big on the QB wins of, of those stats, but um, it does seem like Kirk has a sort of a mental switch that uh, when that switch is on, he's a very, very good player. And then sometimes when it gets turned off early in games, it just seems to kind of stay off the whole game. Right. And so that's just kind of like that, that Packers loss is really the pinnacle of, you know, everything that could go wrong with this Vikings team and what a lot of you guys unfortunately expect to go wrong this weekend. And I can't even blame you. <laughs> that's, that's that's where I'm at with this season is that I can't blame you for looking at that Packers game and then having that kind of bring up, you know, your, you know, all the memories of the bad things that have happened all year with in Chicago and Green Bay the first time, you know, the the loss against Kansas City, all these kind of meltdown moments where the Vikings had the opportunity to take advantage of a big time situation and they just blew it. And, you know, then you go all the way back to, you know, Vikings history in general, and it makes complete sense as a fan to look at this game and say we're headed on the road to New Orleans the season that is over. I totally get that sentiment. It, it makes it, it makes logical sense to me for, for everyone to think that way. 
it's just really too bad that we're, you know, as a fan base, that that's how we feel about this team when we know, you know, had they won, had they, you know, won that Packers, the most recent Packers game, had they won at Lambeau Field, had they, you know, won at Kansas City, things could be a lot different right now. They could be playing a home game. And if they're playing a home game, I feel like our outlook is completely different as fans because, you know, contrary to what happened in the most recent two home games, generally speaking, this Vikings team is, you know, as good as anyone when playing at home. And you feel mm-hmm. that much more confident when you get that scenario. So it's just very hard to look at this team and be excited about it. And, you know, when we when we do Thursday show and we break, out the, break down the intricacies and, you know, the points that the Vikings can attack and all of that, I'm sure there will be – Plenty of ways where we can find, you know, objectively speaking, just looking at it on paper, that we can find little things that can, you know, give the Vikings an edge in this upcoming matchup. But when you see Michael Thomas staring down Xavier Rhodes, knowing the season that Rhodes has had and the season that Thomas has had, it's tough to feel any sort of mm-hmm. excitement about this team, knowing that they're one meltdown away from this year being over, and then we don't have football again until next September, which is a frustrating feeling as a fan. But you know, it's just you look at this team as a whole, and it could it, – it's the season's not already – the season's not even over, and we're already having that kind of what could have been thing. Mm-hmm. And that's just – yeah, that's too bad, but I don't blame you at all. <laughs> I mean, just... one of the things I wanted to ask you about now, um, this and this is kind of unfortunately feed into a little bit of the whole, you know, the season's over, looking into next year type of thing. But if you've been on Twitter – You've seen a little bit of rumor, speculation, whatever you want to call it, of the the Saints game means something to uh, Mike Zimmer's future. And I think people have been asking Doogie about it, Darren Wolfson from uh, KSTP. And he's kind of been saying, well, I, 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 I don't really know a lot, but I do know that the organization loves Kevin Stefanski. And I guess the the connecting the dots there is um, there's this idea that the Vikings would almost rather let Zimmer go than let Stefanski go if it came to that. So what they're saying, like it seems like the Vikings really want to make sure Stefanski doesn't leave for another opportunity. Right. Um, I would rather like promote him to head coach if it came to that versus letting him go somewhere else to be head coach. And this, this report has also been reinforced by Charles Robinson from Yahoo too. So it's not yeah. just, this is, this is a real there are multiple rumor. names that have, you know, that have a good reputation that are um, hinting at this. So um, I, a, do you believe this? Like that this game does matter for Zimmer. If they come out flat, he might be in jeopardy. Um, and then B, do you think that's the right route for the Vikings? Let's say if they lose 30, five to 13 uh well it's 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 tough because i really like mike zimmer i think he's a hell of a head coach but i also see the benefit in having an offensive coach in the nfl right now Mm -hmm. and i also don't want kevin stefanski to leave despite the egg that he laid against green bay okay so do i think the rumors are true yeah i do unfortunately i do think they're true because and here and here's why because heading into this year they didn't give Zimmer a long-term deal. He's basically on a prove-it type of situation right now, him and Spielman as well. So right there, the, you know that Vikings ownership was looking for something out of the season, looking for some sort of substance. You go out and sign Kirk Cousins to get you past the NFC Championship. They haven't came close since, okay? So right there, you think that maybe the seat's not hot, but it's like, hey, you should do something, or 
we might consider making a change if a better option presents itself. The second thing here is what I just mentioned before in that Zimmer's a defensive coach. Like you said earlier in the show and like you know, all of you have noticed throughout the year, this team is becoming more of an offensive team. You'd rather see the consistency on that side of the ball stick for next year than the way that the defense played this year, in my opinion. You, you want to get more from your defense next year. If the offense stayed the same heading into next year. I think that you'd feel, we'd all feel pretty good about the Vikings standing, you know, relative to the other competition in the NFC. So I, I do think it's real. And uh, I, I wouldn't personally do it just because I find it – I think it would be very, very difficult for Kevin Stefanski to run this organization, like, as a whole, like, be the head honcho of it. I think it. I think he needs more years as an offensive coordinator. I think you see this with guys like Zach Taylor in Cincinnati, or you know the best example being Freddie Kitchens in Cleveland. It's, it's the management aspect of being a head coach is like we don't think about it that much. We just think bring in the brightest mind and that guy is going to yeah. run our organization. No, there's so much more that goes into being a head coach. Like you are the face of the the franchise. All of a sudden, he's doing multiple press conferences per week. He has to talk in front of us when he when they lose. I just don't think that, you know, I don't think that moving to Kevin Stefanski instead of Zimmer is the right move. But I do yeah. see the positives in considering it because of the offensive football thing. This 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 league is becoming a league where you have to throw for four thousand yards. You have to be able to run with literally anyone in your backfield. You know, defense is simply – it's just – it's second to offense right now. So, Yeah, I mean, it's 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 weird discussing Mike Zimmer's situation. I don't like, like it. This, I feel but, very uncomfortable with that. Um, because the Vikings are in a play they, – they have a playoff game to play this weekend. Um, and this is maybe the I, second I, best coach that the Vikings have ever had too, probably. Yeah, and that's that, – I mean, that's why I'd rather – I'm on board with keeping Zimmer over Stefanski. Me too. If it came to that, um, because I think there are options out there that would su- like serviceably replace Stefanski. So, like off the top of my head right now, you know, if Stefanski is hired to be head coach of Cleveland or I don't know somewhere else, uh, then you can promote Clint Kubiak to okay. offensive coordinator. You can bring in Jay Gruden who was formerly the coach for uh, Kirk Cousins in Washington. Um, you can bring in, I mean... You can bring back Pat Shermer, who just got fired bring from back the Pat Giants. Shermer. Yes, who is now lo- no longer with the Giants and was the offense coordinator for the Vikings during their run with Case Keenum. So um, there's options. There's also guys in college that you could bring up to, uh, or in the college ranks that you could bring up to be an offensive coordinator as well. So there's... There's options, and I think there's enough bright minds in terms of offense and within coaching trees of Reed and McVay and I don't know who else you want to put in there, but there's enough options there that I think the Vikings would be able to find somebody, whereas I think, like you've said, keeping this defense, like maintaining a certain level is going to be very important because I think offensively they'll be fine with the talent that there's that's already there. Um, and we saw already this year when Kirk is comfortable, he can light it up. So I I think keeping that defense, finding a couple defensive or finding a couple cornerbacks specifically uh, to kind of pick things up defensively, I think will be more important. I think you might have to have Mike Zimmer for that. Absolutely. You know, I just think that he's the best person to conduct this train. That's 
he's not just like yes, he's the defensive play caller, but he also has like a very good relationship within this organization. Like the string of command in Minnesota is as good as any franchise in the NFL in terms of the Wilfs providing the resources, the assets, and kind of the expectations. The stadium. The stadium, yeah, obviously the stadium. Yeah, that's kind of a big piece. And then you've got Rick Spielman, who has a great working relationship with Mike Zimmer in terms of how he's spending our, the Vikings' capital to get pieces for Zimmer to work with. And Zimmer going out on the field, and for the most part, he's been outstanding at calling defense, and he's beat you know the teams in the big moments, you know, Multiple yeah. times, he deserves to have two playoff wins for Plus, what it's, it's worth. It, in 2017, when his defense was like number one in the league across the board, like it's tough to do that. It's tough right. to have number one defense multiple years. It's tough to be that good. It's tough to have top five multiple years. Teams figure you out, and so the fact that he's been able to be that successful and their defense was still—I mean, it, it was still solid this year. Uh, I think receivers really just took advantage of poor cornerbacks, but. The way Harris and Smith are playing at an elite level still, uh, the pass rush is still really, really good in terms of comparing to the rest of the NFL. Like the fact that he's been able to adjust, maintain uh, that level of play is still is tremendous. Uh, so I, I, I like Mike Zimmer to stick around as head coach. And like you said, he has the leadership um, quality, the the team management thing that I think would I would trust that more than like Stefanski, for example, if he were just promoted out of nowhere. I'm just saying. On that note specifically, when for those of you out there who are on the team, the Mike Z- fire Mike Zimmer train, um, whether it's just because you want to fire him and you want to hire someone different, or for those of you who are in favor of promoting Stefanski, just just keep in mind what happened with Freddie Kitchens and with Zach Taylor, who has had some kind of issues in Cincinnati, and then you look at Cliff Kingsbury and kind of the way that they started this year versus where they're at now in terms of just being professional you know just being a competently run organization in from top to bottom I don't like messing with that when it's really not that broken you know like a couple things swing a different way this year and we could be talking about the Vikings as a 2c with the first round by right yeah. and if you can correct those mistakes which granted the last couple times Zimmer has had the opportunity it's it hasn't been pretty you know you think about the Green Bay game this year the Chicago game last year you know the absolute egg they laid in the NFC championship against the Eagles you know there are definitely some like defining moments in Zimmer's tenure with the Vikings where I understand where people are saying there might be someone better out there but just just keep in mind the stability that this organization has right now and their their ability to bring in more talent and apply it and get immediate results from them just think about all the good things that Spielman has handed down to Zimmer and Zimmer has been able to turn into you know there are so many so many more positives in my opinion between this 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 Spielman Zimmer um, you know I guess tenure at two as well uh, that it you can look at the positives and be like I don't want to disrupt this just because we Mm -hmm. didn't get out of the wild card round this doesn't feel like a Marvin Lewis situation to me where it's just every year they're getting knocked out of the postseason and there's no, you know, there's no better horizons on the horizon. To me, this te- the, these Vikings teams are more talented than Cincinnati's were. Um, like, the, the, the talent is more groomed back, you know, compared, and Zimmer would probably say the same thing because he was the defensive coordinator for those teams in Cincinnati. Right. And so, I, I mean... I don't know if we want to compare it to that right now, but it just, I do think 
there's I mean if you can get a team to 13 and three with Case Keenum as your quarterback, um, and again that's like you were mentioning that's one of those things where you know there's a couple of games that year where they won by you know two or three points. Um, if the Vikings had stolen that Seattle game this year, had stolen the Kansas City game, or had won just one of those Packers games, um, again this is completely different. Vikings are probably playing a home game uh, or have a first round bye, and things are totally different in 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 this season and this outlook. So it, it is one of those things where those sometimes those close games, those one possession games are, are decided on, um, you know, one unlucky bounce, one lucky bounce, who knows, but. So as a, the, as a team here, you and I are on the same page that we're team do not fire Mike Zimmer. No, no, not after 2019. Okay. So don't regardless, uh, let's say the Saint. let's say the Vikings go into the Superdome Vikings lose. 42 to 17. Yeah. You're 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 sticking with Zimmer in 2020. Uh we can reconvene after next year. Yeah. Okay. That's in, that's interesting cuz I mean, I can say that right now that I I I'm with you that that wouldn't shake me up, but I need I want to feel that <laughs> I need to feel you that. You want to feel that cuz I it, well I does, don't want to. I don't want well, to feel it. I'm but, saying but, but how, I need that how, injury. How does it feel like it's going to happen though? I mean, the Saints have been dominant all year long. It's at the, one of the toughest places to play. I don't know. We'll talk about the matchup later, but yeah, I yeah. Uh, not, not optimistic. <laughs> all right, folks. Um, so that's going to wrap up the show for this week. Uh, feel free to leave your sentiments with us on Twitter um, or in the comment section below on Daily Norseman. Uh, we're always happy to read those. We do always read them, even if we don't comment back sometimes. Um, if you are enjoying this show, or if you're not enjoying this show, uh, make sure to check out the other podcasts on the Climb the Pocket Network. Um, as I've said in the past, if you don't like us, there's probably someone doing a podcast within this network that you will enjoy listening to. Uh, you can find us on iTunes, hit that subscribe button, give us a review if you haven't done so already. And we will be back on Thursday again, regular scheduled programming this week. Uh, we're back to uh, back to two shows a week as normal on Tuesday and Thursday. Um, and, uh, yeah, we'll be back talking about the Vikings against the Saints in greater detail. I'm going through the rosters, trying to find some weaknesses and uh, trying to find some points of emphasis for the Vikings moving into this weekend. So uh, we apologize that the show is a little bit, you know, downtrodden, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> but um, it is a difficult place to position to be in emotionally as a Vikings fan right now. And I can relate to those of you who are not optimistic heading into this weekend. So hopefully this uh, sentiments of this show reinforce that notion. And like I said, we'll catch you guys later on this week to break this game down in greater detail. Thanks for listening, folks. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to cars.com. It's magical.